0: Without further ado, uh, Robert is here uh, to talk um, on behalf of Amgen, and he is a past president of the SDPA. He works in Sherman Oaks, California, and he needs no other introduction. All right. So um, as a promotional lecture that's sponsored by Amgen and Pfizer, uh, it's going to feel a little bit different. Uh, This is not a CME venue, uh, and you should all be aware of it. Um, and so the feel might be a little bit different than what we've had so far today. Um, and again, this, uh, this product theater, the meal that you are uh, partaking of is uh, it was a promotional presentation and part of that, and it's uh, on behalf of Amgen and Pfizer. So it's been reviewed by the company uh, in terms of their internal reviews. Uh, and so I'm going to present that uh, on their behalf for you. So hopefully you all are aware of that. So much like a dinner program. So, uh, Amgen and uh, Pfizer obviously uh, deal with the uh, product Embryol. Uh Embrel is indicated for the treatment of adult um, uh, patients 18 years of age or older with chronic uh, moderate to severe plaque psoriasis uh, who are um, candidates for systemic or phototherapy. Uh, typically, I think we're aware uh, with Embrel being on the market for uh, the period of time that it has, the dosing typically is 50 milligrams sub-q. Uh, twice a week for the first three months, and then uh, routinely step down to 50 milligrams weekly. And uh, as I just briefly mentioned, obviously it's an injection. So throughout this product uh, theater, we're going to talk about some of the important safety information, and I want to make sure that you all are aware of that. Um, you know, some of the important things with Embrel and Uh, the class of TNF agents is that there is an increased risk of serious infections, Uh, certainly uh, hospitalizations and even deaths have been reported, Uh, TB, sepsis, those types of things are certainly uh, possible. Uh, We just had a wonderful lecture on fungal infections, certainly that's uh, an issue as well. Uh, If patients develop a serious infection, embryo needs to be stopped. Uh, and one of the most important things in terms of TB is that we test our patients routinely prior to putting them uh, on drug and make sure that throughout the course of them being on, the, uh, on Embryol that we're routinely screening them for uh, latent TB infections. Uh, lymphomas and other malignancies, some fatal have also been reported with Embryol. And so we need to uh, make sure that we're aware of that. Uh, and it's not just Embryol, it's other molecules in that TNF class, but uh, certainly today we're gonna speak uh, about Embryol. So what I'm going to share with you is uh, some data that Amgen and Pfizer has put together, primarily with uh, uh, some new data in terms of their scalp uh, data. Uh, And this uh, is is something that's kind of intriguing and and both exciting uh, in terms of uh, that unique challenge. Uh, I think we all agree that the scalp, in terms of psoriasis involvement, is one of the more difficult areas to maintain patient compliance on in terms of medications and certainly improve those areas. So at least half the people that have psoriasis generally have it on their scalp, and I think that's a pretty fair statement. Uh, And certainly the plaque uh, psoriasis frequently develops on the scalp, like I said, can be tough. I mean, it's tough because it's difficult to get medications there. Uh, Patients don't like creams, ointments, those types of things. Uh, And so those are some unique challenges to that particular location that I think we all would agree on. So in this study, this phase four study, uh, that they uh, uh, embarked on, this was a 24 week uh, placebo controlled double blind study. Uh, And similar to some of the other studies in the past, this uh, had an arm of obviously patients on drug and and an arm of patients not on drug. And certainly that placebo group at week 12 was switched over to drug and and the routine step down dosing according to the product insert uh, was occurred at uh, week 12. Uh, Patients uh, were randomized uh, into one or two of these arms. So So what were the inclusion criteria? You know, they had to be adults. Obviously, that's the indication. They had to have chronic uh, moderate to severe psoriasis for at least six months. Uh, They had to have a minimum uh, screening um, scalp psoriasis severity index of 15. They had to have a uh, a scalp psoriasis affecting 30% of their scalp. Um, and they had to be, you know, certainly candidates for systemic or phototherapy. And they also had to have, uh, which makes sense, a negative PPD uh, 30 days prior to their first dosing of uh, Tanercep or embryo. So what were some of the things that they couldn't be on? Well, they, they couldn't have any significant uh, concurrent uh, medical conditions, including any active infections, malignancies, demyelinating disorders. Um, they couldn't have a history of cancer within five years, with the exception of uh, kind of surgically cured and pathology-proven basal cell and squamous cell carcinomas, uh, those were allowed in this, but other than that, no other cancers were allowed, certainly melanomas were not allowed. Uh, They couldn't have any other uh, variation of psoriasis, guttate, erythrodermic, pustular uh, forms. They can't, uh, couldn't have used uh, cyclosporin, uh, calcium neuron inhibitors, or shampoos within 14 days, so uh, there wasn't a very long washout, but certainly two weeks, and they couldn't have used any of the other biologic agents within three months there. In terms of methotrexate, oral retinoids, those types of oral uh, systemic uh, modalities, they couldn't have used those within 28 days. And light therapy had to be uh, held basically for the month for 28 days. Uh, vitamin D3 analogs, uh, corticosteroid topical preparations, uh, tar shampoos, uh, those types of things also for 28 days. So what were the endpoints? What were what was Amgen and, and Pfizer looking for? Well, they wanted to take a look at week 12, which was their primary endpoint, the percentage of change on the scalp severity index score. They also wanted to take a look at some secondary endpoints, and so you can see there there's a a couple of secondary endpoints that they wanted to take a look at. They wanted to look at the greater than 75 um, PSI improvement response at week 12. They wanted to see between week 12 and week 24 what those numbers were looking like. They wanted to take a look at satisfaction of patients at week 12 and obviously wanted to take a look at some of the safety. Some of the exploratory criteria that they used, uh, it was nice, they asked some patients, frankly, uh, you know, in terms of their itching and their pain and some other factors in terms of their assessment on their scalp psoriasis. They also took a look at BSA involvement, POSI 50, 75, and 90 uh, cuts of the data, as well as scalp uh, surface area involvement. So um, although these weren't the primary and secondary endpoints, these are also uh, looked at within this study. So similar to POSI when um, we calculate POSI scores, and I know some of us do it routinely and some of us don't do, uh, do it routinely, uh, the psoriasis scalp severity index uh, is similar, uh, although, guess what, it just affects the scalp, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, it spares the face in other areas, but um, that's how the uh, PSSI was calculated out, and if you remember, it had to be, uh, the, the inclusion criteria for this had to be a greater than uh, 15. So taking a look at the demographics, uh, these demographics mirror, uh, from a numerical standpoint, some of the uh, global and um, uh, US pivotal trial type demographics. Uh, they were uh, pretty even, what we would expect. Certainly more males than, uh, um, than females and, and Caucasian. And you can see a very even distribution. Um, uh, weight in kilograms uh, was right around 90 pounds, or 90 kilograms, I should say. Uh, and again, the uh, uh, PASI scores and PSSI scores needed to be greater than 15, as you can see there. So a pretty nice uh, uh, distribution of the 124 patients in this study. So let's take a look at some of the data that came out of it. So this is taking a look at the mean percentage improvement of the PSSI, and this uh, primarily is taking a look at it at week 12. So the primary, uh, the primary endpoint there is 87%. Um, obviously, the light blue line on the top is the etanercept group with the placebo-controlled group and the lavender or purple on the bottom. Uh, and then at week 12, uh, according to the study design, they were put on drug for the placebo group and you can see the pickup. It's kind of interesting looking at the curves. If you kind of move those curves uh, uh, over top of each other, it's, it's, it's a very similar pickup. So at week 12, we're seeing a, a statistically significant improvement with uh, the group that was using uh, MBREL at 87%. And you can see that as it carries out through week 24, the 91% improvement compared to the placebo group. This now takes a look at the percentage of patients with greater than 75% improvement of the PSSI score. And you can see uh, very similar uh, improvements at week 12. Uh, you can see an 86% uh, improvement uh, or 86% of the patients improved uh, to a greater than 75% um, uh, PSSI score. Uh, and certainly the placebo group at week 12, uh, there at 11% was then put on drug. And again, you can kind of see that mimicking uh, slope-up curve that you see on the, uh, the initial uh, drug arm. So taking a look at just, you know, it's nice to look at data, it's nice to see what you know, what happens in our clinical settings, uh, but pictures are worth a thousand words. Uh, and these are uh, some patients that were in that uh, trial uh, at baseline at week 12 and at week 24. I think any of our patients, uh, you know, coming in at baseline, taking a look at that picture and seeing at week 24 would agree that they're pretty happy with their, their treatment. And so certainly 66% mean POSI improvement at week 12 is in the global uh, psoriasis pivotal trial. Uh, and the POSI results were consistent with the global uh, psoriasis pivotal trial as well. So those are some nice uh, improvement in terms of the scalp data and the scalp symptoms, I should say. Here's some other uh, pictures. I apologize for the one on the top. It's a little bit uh, fuzzy. Uh, but this represents patients' improvement at scalp uh, while in this etanercept uh, treatment group. So again, at baseline on the left, week 12, and then at week 24. So looking at week 24, what was the mean uh, percentage improvement uh, of the POSI through week 24? And if you take a look, uh, again, the graphs are set up very similar with the placebo control group on the bottom and the etanercept group um, on the top. At week 12, uh, you see it at 74%, but then carrying it out further to week 24, you're seeing a 78% um, improvement in POSI at week 24, uh, 68 compared to the placebo group. Still pretty pretty decent, but... uh, Worth noting the difference there. And the percentage of patients with a positive um, uh, greater than 75% response through week 24, very similar setup as well um, 69% compared to 59%. So, you know, we're not just seeing this at week 12 and we're not seeing a, a trail off, we're actually seeing a, a continued improvement out through 24 weeks. So taking a look at the um, patients with overall body plaque psoriasis with Etanercept, um, here's some additional uh, photos, and they're a little difficult uh, on the screen, it looks like, to, to see. But again, baseline on the left uh, and out through week 24, the POSI results were consistent with the, what we saw in the global uh, psoriasis pivotal trial. We, we had a 66% mean POSI improvement at week 12. So as you recall, in terms of some of the exploratory options in the study, um, Amgen was taking a look at some of the patient-reported outcomes as well. So the percentage of patients who were satisfied or very satisfied with treatment at week 12, um, they were asked a series of questions, and those questions were given a numerical value, for instance, 0 to 5, uh, and that's how these, um, these responses were calculated. Um, Obviously, at baseline to the left, these are the percent of patients statistically, again, very satisfied or satisfied on the left. And then at the primary endpoint, week 12, um, certainly the blue, which, uh, uh, although the color is switched here, is the etanercept group, 76% uh, uh, are, are very satisfied. So that's, that's encouraging that our patients, and, and certainly even the placebo group that was put onto drug, you're seeing some, some improvement at week 12. So again, the methodology, uh, like I just mentioned, uh, they were asked a series of questions. This this particular one dealt with itching or pruritus of the scalp. Uh, the severity of scalp itch was assessed by a scale of zero to five. So they were asked, you know, basically, does your scalp itch, or what percentage, you know, what variation from zero being none to it, it's severe and itches all the time. So the paritis associated with scalp improvement in moderate, uh, severe plaque psoriasis patients. I mean, itch is, is a real common thing. I, I think we all hear that in our practice uh, settings. Uh, you know, secondary probably to flaking and, and just the cosmetic look, people come in because it itches. And so uh, this was kind of a nice way to explore some of that in terms of it, it, its endpoints. And we saw a change from 3.4, per, 3.4 numerically at baseline to 1.0 after week 12. Uh, and if, again, if 5 is you know, severely itching, and 0 is no itching, um, if you just kind of recall that kind of uh, numerical value, that'll give you some, some information to kind of put with those numbers. So the severity of scalp itch was individually assessed, again, with the, with the numerical grading system. So let's talk about some additional safety information that you need to all be aware about with uh, M-Brel. Um You know, Embryol suppresses the immune system and it has been associated with serious infections, uh, some fatal, so, um, you know, patients that have malignancies, neurological events, those types of things, uh, you know, would be contraindicated uh, in terms of, uh, you know, you can't use M-Brel while while a patient is septic, so we need to make sure that we screen our patients for these events. Uh, some of them are absolutely contraindicated. Uh, for instance, active TB would not be something that you want to do, but um, you need to be aware of patients that have these uh, associated comorbidities in terms of selecting embryo and, and any of the biologic patients in general. The most common adverse event uh, for embryo uh, was injection site reaction, uh, certainly infections, and I believe headache was the, uh, was the next one there. Here is the adverse events from the, uh, the study safety and uh, it's cut both in week 12 and week 24 and taking a look at um, I don't think this pointer is uh, no it doesn't look like it's going but uh, there was uh, five candidates that led or had adverse events that led to withdrawal from the study uh, in the attenorcept arm. Um, These had to do with malignancies in terms of a melanoma, uh, was one of them. Uh, This was a patient that had a prior history of melanoma. One uh, was a a keratoacanthoma, Uh, so you should be aware of that. Uh, Those were uh, uh, adverse events that uh, they withdrew from. Uh, In terms of opportunistic infections, there there was none seen in this uh, Phase four study. Uh, there was a malignancy seen at week 24, which was also a melanoma, uh, which was a patient ha- who had a prior history of melanoma that developed a, a mass in the axilla. Uh, the mass actually was developed, or was reported prior to the study, uh, but was, uh, uh, you know, something that, uh, I- I'm not sure if it was not disclosed or whatnot, but there there was some evidence of this this mass prior to being included for some reason. And um, so that that was also uh, noted in that week 24 cut of the safety data. Uh, Some of these were considered by the investigators, uh, possibly related to the study drug and some of them uh, were considered not uh, uh, associated to the study drug. Of note, injection site reactions, like I said, is the most common side effect that we see. Uh, upper respiratory tract infections, uh, certainly up there as well, and you can see the difference between placebo and the Tanercept group, sinusitis, bronchitis, hematomas. I think we've, we've all seen those in our patients that have been on embryo. Other than the injection site reaction, everything's fairly numerically uh, similar. At week 13 to 24, so that additional cut of the data, again, taking a look at the placebo versus the etanercept group on the right, um, upper respiratory tract uh, infections were kind of interesting, uh, seen more in the placebo group. You know, with studies it's always unique. You know, one of the adverse events, uh, as I recall, uh, a couple slides back was somebody, you know, broke an arm or broke a a rib or something like that. It was a fracture. So it's it's always kind of interesting when you get into these study situations what, what gets reported. And you really, as a clinician, need to dig into you know, whether or not it was truly uh, you know, likely related to study drug or whether it was just something that was mandatory in terms of being reported. So those are important questions when you're d- developing treatment choices that you should be aware of. So kind of wrapping it up, you know, a Tannercep was shown to improve scalp uh, involvement in adult patients. Um, you know, I think we, we made a good argument in terms of showing you the data uh, and, and certainly uh, uh, certainly a pretty, pretty nice improvement for our patients. The overall safety results were similar to what we've seen in the uh, global and uh, U.S. Uh, pivotal trials. So data that we've seen in the past on Mbrel, it has not changed uh, with the scalp data. And the most common reported adverse events, again, were URIs, um, pharyngitis, injection site reactions. So further studies should be done to evaluate treatment in adult patients with chronic uh, moderate severe plaque psoriasis with scalp involvement. I I think there's some interesting data here. I think there's some more questions that we can ask. So it'll be interesting to see where the data goes. I should let you know. I know these are, uh, you know, these are part of the uh, uh, slide deck, and, and I would be remiss to remind you that I do have package inserts that are available uh, if anybody uh, does want to kind of read through some of the uh, important safety information. Uh, we do have them uh, for you to uh, take, uh, and they're at the back table. But uh, again, going over, uh, I think we talked to this slide a little bit earlier. But uh, you know, people that have infections need to be. Uh, uh, certainly screened uh, for uh, whether or not they're appropriate for Embrell use. Certainly, patients that have sepsis, tuberculosis uh, should not be given Uh, uh Aspergillus blasto histomy- uh, histoplasmosis, as we've learned earlier, certainly could be a problem as well. So, um, you know, those are uh, those are certainly some concerns. Uh, again, uh, one thing I, I will mention about TB, and uh, I think we all know this, but it does, uh, it, it is great to just remind people is that the degree of a positive uh, PPD test is five millimeters of induration, so where you might uh, have a normal community person uh, who you might not consider five millimeters positive, uh, five millimeters of induration, elevation of the uh, the PPD site uh, is what a positive versus negative uh, uh, test is with EMBRO t- and frankly uh, with all biologics. Lymphomas uh, and other malignancies, including non-melanoma skin cancers, have been associated uh, with Embrel. Um, you know the the role that TNF blockers play uh, in these is really um, is really unknown at this point. I mean, there is obviously some uh, concern, but uh, uh, as the years go by, and more data. I think we'll we'll have some more additional information to share with you. Uh, there have been uh, uh, issues with pediatric patients. Uh, uh, less than 18 years of age in terms of lymphomas and non uh lymphomas. Um, so those are, those are other concerns uh, that are rare but certainly need to, to be screened for. Most of those patients, by the way, in terms of our PEDS patients, were also taking uh, uh, immunosuppressants uh, as well. So there is some you know, kind of mixed cloudiness as to, to the concern there. Neurologic events, cardio, uh, congestive heart failure, Hematologic events have all been uh, seen. Hepatitis B uh, virus reactivation. Uh, We need to make sure that we're screening our patients uh, and making sure that uh, that has been reported. Uh, And so you need to to be uh, cautious in patients that uh, have a history of um, hepatitis B. Certainly, allergic reactions, and one of the things that is becoming more of an issue uh, is these immunizations, uh, live attenuated vaccines. Uh, so we're starting to see that more in dermatology room uh, arena with zoster and, and those types of things. So we need to make sure that uh, live vaccine vaccinations are not occurring when patients are on are on embryo. And some more uh, some more package insert safety information. Um, Uh, regarding alcoholic hepatitis, drug interactions, and and adverse events. So, Again, these are all available for you, uh, and and we could certainly have an offline discussion if you need it on on more of these. Uh, Those package inserts are on the back. So so with that, uh, I hope you enjoyed lunch, and we can certainly, we'll have time for some questions, and uh, certainly on behalf of Amgen and Pfizer, I want to thank you for coming, and uh, certainly we want to thank them for sponsoring it, and we'll go from there. Thanks.